Good morning and welcome to day four, number 91, as we continue the march towards 100 day four shows with the man Frank Scalish. Frank, how we doing this lovely and windy Thursday morning from yes. Moore, Oklahoma? It sounds like it's beautiful weather up in Ohio yes, where you call be. home. It will be until tomorrow, and then we're going to have big winds as usual, but... Um, I, I'm I'm good, Matt. I, I can't even complain, dude. I got to finally, after a long time of not being on the big lake, I finally got to go on the Lake Erie and chase some smallmouth with Frankie yesterday. Um, we caught we caught some good ones and um, met up with a couple of dudes. Well, actually, one guy in particular um, that I that I actually met through BTL, believe it or not. Um, he was up there at the ramp. Uh, friend of mine, Ryan Hartman. Good dude, really good dude. Um, we wound up BSing at the ramp in the morning till the sun came up, which was <laughs> just kind of defeating the purpose of getting there so early. Well, you but, went fun fishing and got there before oh, the sun came up, dude. It was pitch black. I mean, it was really, it was, yeah, it was pitch black. You don't mo- mosey around there and enjoy the. Well, I I do, but I'm fishing with Frankie, and you know he's the eager beaver these days. I forgot he just came off a really good BFL season, so he's ready to jump out there and rip some lips. And so he, you know, he's amped up, and and he's like, "Dude, come on, man, we got to go, we got to go," you know. And I'm like, "Yeah, okay, holy smokes!" (laughs) How did you end up uh, boating? I saw the pic; it looked like you had uh, some healthy fish. But was it a uh, was it a numbers game, or was it a hunting and pecking deal? Um, it started out hunting and pecking um, until we started to put some pieces of the puzzle together. Towards the end of the day, we had it dialed in, um, and, and then and then we were catching them very specifically, but pretty quickly. Um, as far as how many we caught, I'm not 100% sure. Um, I really wasn't keeping track. I just wanted some nice ones for, for Instagram, and um, we did catch a lot of them, though. Um, but later on, because we, I'll be honest with you in the morning, we started out real slow. Um, wasn't a hundred percent sure depth range, um, locations were marginal. I ran to, I actually ran to some of my really good stuff, uh, which did not produce, but it's more summertime fishing. And I wasn't sure if it was gonna or not, but I wanted to check it anyway. So we ran there first and, um, and it wasn't happening. And so we kind of, we kind of worked in reverse. Um, and, and then we found, we found, you know, some areas that had fish in them and it was, it turned out to be pretty good. I, I was experimenting. Um, you guys remember I, did I talk about on the last show, the drum beater? Yeah. Okay. So what I did was, uh, the night before last, I poured some different uh, heavy heads for it because it comes in an eighth and a quarter and I wanted three quarters. So I poured some heavy heads in it and the first few smallmouth I caught was on the drum beater dragging it on the deep, deep rock piles. Um, it was a lot of fun to experiment with that bait. Um, you know, we had a, we had a pretty good time. I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun. Mo- most of the fish came traditional, you know, how you would normally fish. Mm-hmm smallmouth but um it, it was fun to catch them on that drum beater super deep i mean i knew it would work i just wanted i it was all an ex, it's an experimental stage because i'm working on something with that spinnerbait Ooh. um and it's it was an all experimental stage so i had different designs different things that i did to it to see which one could would come through the rocks without hanging up and, and i got it dude 
I mean, I'm I'm literally slow rolling it through the rocks like a wobblehead. Ooh. And they w- would load loaded to the cork, as they say. They would just hit that thing and and it's there. Like so it. yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, you know. Um, and, and like I said, it was the first time in a long time I actually got to get out there. Um, and. and and what a day, guys! I mean, I mean, you don't get days like that on Lake Erie all that much. It was like not like mirage flat, but it was flat. I mean, we we could run. I mean, we could run anywhere we wanted. Kirk says the coffee loaded to the cork over here. Gotta love it. Yeah, and I, and I and Ryan is that your buddy Ryan? He said it was loaded to the cork yesterday. Oh yeah, man, Hartman gets the job done, guys. <laughs> that little sob can flat out catch him. All right, Frank. A uh, little preview of the show today. Uh, we're going to talk. Uh, we're going to highlight kind of bank and creek angling uh, today. Some stuff going on at Lure Net, and then we're going to oh, kind yeah. of go into some segments of how. Uh, let's say you're on a family vacay, you don't have the vessel with you, but you have some areas to fish, maybe how you can identify where, when, and how you can get down and, and catch yeah. a few fish. Maybe you don't have a boat, maybe some strategies on that. So we'll get into that. Uh, real quick, you did say something that piqued my interest during the uh, during the Erie story was you said you went to one of your good spots and they weren't there. Right. I think this is a scenario that anybody who is bass fished for any amount of time runs into and i'm curious uh i'm curious as to your take on this so we all have we we all have a spots these are these spots maybe you smash them in a tournament there maybe it's been consistent but sometimes well listen i'm going somewhere with this though oh okay sometimes you go to the money spot and you don't catch them and then you go again and you don't catch them. And then you go the next year and you don't catch them. And then it becomes this story about two or three years ago how you wailed on them there. At what point do you take that off of your A list? Do you stop going to it? Is it what stop? You see, you know what I mean? There yeah. are spots where you are. Yeah. When do you just say, you know what? That must have been a situational something was on and it's off my list of go to spots. Or do you visit that thing until you're six feet under? Well, I always, if I, if I'm in the area, especially on Great Lakes, I always run over it and at least graph it and see it what's on it. For years afterwards? Um, because it held big fish at one time, it's going to hold them again at another time. Okay. Um, usually what happens to me, though, is, I, to be very honest with you, I very seldomly have won or done good on the Great Lakes off of the exact same spot in every tournament everything changes all the time so what i do is like i'll find areas and i'll list them by weight this spot's holding four pounders this spot's holding two pounders this spot's holding three pounders and i label them by weight so then i see that and and date and i date them all because the date's important um, a lot of people don't understand this. The date is important because especially with small mouths, they're constantly moving. Uh, they'll set up residence at certain conditions, certain times a year. And then as that condition or time of year starts to change, the smallies start to move. Um, and so I do it by date and weight. So in the tournament, <laughs> I'll just tell in a tournament, what I do is I don't even stop at places that I didn't catch a four pounders and I'll, I'll put a, a, a yield sign or a 
American flag on it in the, so I know when I'm ripping down the lake because the Great Lakes are vast. And so I'll zoom out on my map and where I see the flags, then I start to run towards my flags during the event. So what happens is, let's say, like I had a spot the one year um, that I was up there and I had caught, um, I had a couple of spots that were just flat loaded with heavy twos and light threes. And so I wrote, you know, uh, 2.9 to 3.5 on it because I knew I wasn't really in the size zone that I needed to win. Well, I had a pretty good bag going and I said, well, we're right here. Let's just stop and hit it real quick. You can get your limit. You know, I told my non-boater, you can get your limit. It'll be good enough for you to get a check, but let's see what, and literally pulled up on there and, and stuffed a couple of four and a half pounders. Um, so, and the big numbers of the smaller fish were not there, but a few, some of the bigger fish moved in with the three pounders. So it's really weird how that works. So, it's not it's not haphazard and random, and I don't run everything during a tournament. I only run where I caught big ones. That's the only way you can win. You can't chase little fish on lakes that produce a lot of big ones. And so that's what I do. Um, like this particular spot, when I found this particular spot, um, I wasn't catching them anywhere, like nowhere. And I had spent three days fishing, and I think I caught three legitimate decent fish. And I couldn't catch them on anything that I normally fish. So what I did was I said, I got to go to a place in the lake I've never been before and start over. So I picked a place in the lake that I literally have never fished in my life. And I went over there, and I hunted and packed, and I found four beautiful structural elements that were just flat loaded um and so it became you know it became a, a really good place for me and then in 2010 the second day of the tournament i wound up crashing them out there i mean crashing them because the the i mean the third day of the tournament because the second day was canceled due to wind and the first day um i caught them somewhere else and I almost won the dang thing um but um but yeah, so that's kind of my approach when it comes to smallmouth and, and even spotted bass to a degree because there's some similarities between the two. That's good stuff. I just know yeah. on Grand there's at least a dozen spots that like yeah, I'm talking probably ten years ago, 2013, 14, 15, I was like right. money. Last like eight or nine times I've been to them, nothing. I mean nothing. And I'm like, why am I still running this stuff? Why do I still have stop signs on this stuff like i i mean same time of the year i haven't caught them there yeah because you know inland lakes are funky because that happens a lot on inland lakes um where you have you know you have a small resident population that might live there because you know as well as i know that especially if you're main lake structure fishing um there's resident fish that live on the main lake year round they never leave the main lake um, they'll even spawn on the main lake, but main lake banks. Um, and those fish never leave their, their structure. But a lot of times what happens is the aggregate of fish there might not be 
a large mm -hmm. aggregate. And then in a tournament comes, you take them and remove some of them. Well, gradually you remove them off of that element. The population becomes less and less. It's going to take a drawdown effect. Um, you know, when they drop them in the fall, drawdown effect to reposition fish. So they start utilizing that stuff. Um, it's really weird. I have, I have some offshore places on some inland lakes where I always catch them um, literally from right after the spawn until almost winter. Um, and fishing pressure has changed that. I've noticed in the last two seasons that some of my best areas where I can sneak in there and, you know, catch 20 pounds um, is not doing that anymore. I'll catch one big one and a handful of little ones. And I think that's got to do with fishing pressure. Uh, you just don't know how many guys are also fishing the same stuff. Um, if, 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 it's, if it's a large structural element. Small, isolated, sneaky stuff is a different story. But see where I live, the lakes are so small, you could literally side scan an entire lake in a day. I got you. They're puny. They're tiny little ponds. I got you. Uh, all right, let's get into the show today. Uh, yeah. you were furiously working before we went live. Yeah, because I, mean, we I have would. been into the show. That was some good info in the first 14 minutes, but I wasn't, I wasn't right. trying to, to diminish the opening segment and value <laughs> of that there, Frank, before we got into it. But we try to have a loose plan around here on day four for we about have, 50% we have to, of the shows. Yeah, we got to keep it free and loose because nobody, what's crawling around in here, we don't know how it's going to get out. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I, Last Thursday, have I? I don't think I've talked to you. So last Thursday, we did a show, and I was about to go to uh, my girlfriend's got a friend who's got some ponds, and I was about to go to these ponds. Have I told you this story since then? No, no. Did I send I you the pictures? No. I didn't send you anything. These are no. ponds, Uncle Frank. Like very small lakes, ponds, private. I mean, you can't like go to them. That's but the good her, one. <laughs> her friend was like, hey, there's there's walleye in here. My grandpa put walleye in these ponds. Oh, sweet. And I'm like, yeah, it's a little far south. I don't know about this. You know, maybe they did and it just they died out or whatever. And she's like, no one really fishes it. Anyway, I told the story before on the show. I ended up like in the first 10 minutes catching like a five and a half, six pound walleye off the bank on a jerk bait, like a northern oh, walleye. Man, and these funny. are in like these are in ponds. This does not exist. This is. Totally freak show. And then, you know, there were some kids there. It's a big camping thing. So I got him hooked up with the night crawler. One of the kids, first fish he catches, like 11 and a half, 12 inch yellow perch. Perfect. And I'm like, holy cow, these are like ponds that have ended Northern up with a massive species. mixed bag, yeah. caught probably 50, 60 bass off of the bank, just walking around with a number of different uh, offerings. That's so perfect. I, and when then when you said what you wanted to talk about today, I was like, yeah. holy cow, I literally just experienced that. Right. <laughs> and, and it was cool. Yeah, it is. It's a blast. I mean, you know, um, even, even look, even, for, even for guys like us, okay, we, we have all the stuff. We've got the bass boats, we've got all the equipment, everything you need. There's something really homey about going to a small river or a farm pond and just walking around and casting and catching stuff. Um, there's something really calm about that. That's why I love steelhead fishing so much because you're in the water, you're wading around, you're, you're walking everywhere, you're doing it all. And you're right. You're one-on-one -on -one with the environment. You're not, 
you know, we, we have a tendency, we hop in the boat, it's full throttle and trolling motor. You know what I mean? I mean, that's kind of how we fish full throttle trolling motor. So when you're, when you're on foot, you slow down a little more meticulous, a little more fun. Um, you know, I love pond hopping. Unfortunately for me now, a lot of the places that I used to have access to good ponds are now housing developments and you, you know, you just can't, we don't have that kind of land where I'm at. Um, but it was, it's fun, but we have the river systems. We have so many streams and rivers here. It's ridiculous. And we have world-class steelhead fishing. The smallmouth fishing in these streams is fantastic. So that's where I go. When I, when I go wading and bank fishing, I'm in the small creeks and rivers. Um, so, you know, with that being said, we have this thing on lure net it's it's called bank and creek and it's set up specifically for bank and creek fishing um it's really kind of cool it was a long time in the making because there's a lot of options to this stuff obviously so so the first intro kit is coming out and it's guys and gals it's perfect this is perfect gift item with christmas and the holidays coming up this makes a great gift item and so so what we have i might as well go through this thing um right here i got i have it in front of me um keep that screen on because that's going to be helpful this is what the kit oh, okay did. it's hard to see it then we'll, no i mean we'll... no no i mean keep, we'll go back to that screen later is yeah what that's I what i meant okay yeah. so this is basically um it's a bait school bag the bank and creek comes in here you can literally get order this get this bag and go right to the pond or the stream and you're and you're in so so what's in this thing um and i'm not gonna i won't belabor us we'll talk you know we'll talk bass fishing too in a minute but um so what's in this thing i'm gonna just dump it out on my desk so i can randomly grab things All i literally right, so built a bag almost just like this for that for that we, for trip. that trip yeah i use exactly used, i've gotten hooked on those uh bag like every everyone's making those bags now right the clear are. see-through kind of heavy bags they're right. awesome because you can put whatever you want in there oh yeah heck dude i put i put sandwiches in them <laughs> <laughs> right along with right along with the flat ace no that'll be in a different bag <laughs> the sang the sanguines go separate <laughs> so <laughs> So the first thing you're going to have is the uh, small square A, and and it's a, it's the O4 size. It's a, it's a smaller one. Um, it's actually this is actually a money bait. I mean, you you guys know I, I don't have to get I don't have to get into too much detail about bass uh, bass baits you guys are familiar with, but this this the square A comes through cover like crazy. It's got a small coffin bill great deflection characteristics um in this particular bag you're going to get the red orange craw which is you know obviously always a, a money bait um you're next you're going to get now this a lot of guys up north won't probably know what this is but it's called the rebel track down minnow i'll take it out of the bag i'll take it out of the box and show you guys this thing this is a custom color. Now, here's another cool thing about these bags. There's going to be custom colors in them that you can only get with the kit. And this is one of them. 
if I don't get hooked. Well, the hooks are small. So th this is the, the TD-47 Trackdown Minnow in a custom color. Now, this this is a splatterback, olive back, black splatter. You have the little rosy cheeks, and you have the, the smoke spots on them, and it's got a little blue pearl belly on it. Um, really good bait. This thing imita imitates sculpins and dace, which is found in almost every small creek and river system in the United States. This thing is a, it's called the track down. It, you count it down. It's a slow, slow sinking bait. You count it down. Um, un unbelievable trout bait. It's unbelievable. So at any rate, so that's, that's in this kit. Now I got to put this back together. Okay, so what else we're going to get in the kit is uh, we're going to get a quarter ounce head and sonar. Quarter ounce head and sonar. This this is a color I designed too, by the way. Um, it's That's it's cool. really a good color. It's called lime pearl shad. It's got a little bit of gold. Should I take it out? You think you'll see it better, or can you see it good? Oh, it looks really good right now. All right, slime so gold shad. Um, or lime pearl shad, I mean. It's got a little bit of gold marbling on it towards the tail end of it. There you go. Beautiful bait. Now, th now this is the quarter ouncer. Um, I ice fish with these a lot, too, by the way. But anyhow, I digress. Um, you, th this can be thrown into deep holes. Um, little, you can, you can lift and pump it yo-yoing it from the bank or you can slow roll it like a spinner bait or a rattle bait from the bank it works really good i gave these to a buddy of mine um a few years ago and there's a drainage ditch that's an offshoot of one of the rivers here and in high water episode the drainage ditch floods and it's big it's 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 big it's probably four acres of flooded a flooded drainage ditch and he he took these sonars and he was pounding the steelhead out of this drainage ditch on these things dude so they're they're pretty cool um then and no bank and creek kit is ever complete without a road runner so we've got um a multi-pack eighth ounce road runners and to to tee them off we've got a three inch uh white yum grub and the thing about the Roadrunner that I like so much about the Roadrunner is literally you catch everything that swims on them. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what it is. Um, I, I actually had a largemouth on a 132nd or a 116th ounce Roadrunner, um, about a six or a seven pound largemouth on it, on my crappie rod with four pound line. And I was fighting him, trying to get him out of the grass edges. Uh, needless to say, that didn't end well for me because I lost the fish. Right, dude. Literally, I got him up to the side of the boat, and it was it was freezing cold. Ice just came off the lake. It was really cold, and I went to. He was real lethargic. Once I got him out, he was kind of lethargic, and I went I went to grab him, and I had short line out because I had him right up mm -hmm. to the boat, and he took off, and that little hook went. Oh, it is a small underspin. Oh yeah, it's mo their money. And Jim, I mean, dude, Jimmy Houston. I've I think Jimmy Houston is the one who put the Road Runner on the map. Hundred percent. No, you're a hundred percent correct. He absolutely did. When I was a kid, I used to watch him. 
um, uh, that's what rod. I would do. I just remember he'd always have the spinning rod and he'd have the, it would be a, the Blakemore Roadrunner or oh, yeah. whatever. And he'd just cast it out. And he'd be like, hey, folks, we're on Lake Ten Killer now and we're fishing for crappie with the Roadrunner. Yeah. And he'd cast it out and he'd count it down and just slow reel it. And literally every show he would hook something that towed the boat around. <laughs> yeah. Remember, it'd always yeah, be like so a big blue good. cat, a right, big bass, exactly. a striper, a something would eat that little roadrunner that he would have to chase for like a quarter of the show. Oh yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. It's in fact, it's one of my, it's one of my go-to crappie baits. Um, I, I'll put I'll put uh, Bobby Garland uh, grubs on them and everything, and I and that's my number one crappie bait. I, I will be slinging that i even started doing i'll tell you what i started doing a couple of years ago i took the little pulse minnow and i cut that i cut about a half inch of the head off of it and i started putting those on my road runners and started hammering the walleyes on these inland lakes in the shallow grass when the walleyes get up on the shallows pl- plowing them on it so yeah so that thing's really versatile the next thing you're going to get it's called a rebel raider and i don't know if anybody's familiar with this bait but it's been around for a while now and um i can't open this thing so give me a minute they're child proof a pen <laughs> or did you just have a box cutter handy no it's a pen i don't have a box cutter. Oh, be careful that's how you end up gouging yourself oh yeah but i'm I'm a pro. I'm a trained pro. Okay, so this is a the the little Rebel Raider. I have never seen that, but it looks like a fall shad to me. Oh, dude, this thing. So here's what this does. This actually slowly sinks to almost neutral buoyancy, but it will sl- sink. It's an underwater walking bait. How have I? This would have been handy over the last couple opens, dude. They make them bigger too. This is the small one. They make them bigger. This bait's dynamite. So what happens is it sinks and you count it down and you get to your level of water that you want to be in. And then you work it just like a super spook. And it does that underwater. It darts and dashes underwater. It's it's crazy. Um, they have them big for bass, you know, like big size for bass too well but that's this, perfect have you not seen in the fall that's the exact size of those little thumbnail shad that they're all well, chasing tell me about it <laughs> this particular color here is citrus the reason i like this one is it's got the it's got the prism tape muscle ribs on it you see them on the below the lateral line yeah i i like that because that acts that's you know how the guts and sides are on a lot of them Look at that thing. Oh yeah, dude, I'm telling you. It's 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 really a cool bait. Um doesn't get a whole lot of attention yet, but it it'll it's going to start uh because there's definitely a time and a place for it. And 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 for us guys in our bass boats when we're chucking the bigger ones, you pretty much fish it like a spook just underwater so you can cover water. You know how you know how when the in the fall when all the the, the small shiners and, and shad get up on the banks, especially during drawdown, mm-hmm. you could chuck that right over to the top of the shoal and just underwater it goes and just cover the water, you know, co- just keep covering water, which that is that weighs an eighth of big. an ounce. Yeah. That one's tiny. 
That one's. I'm not seeing any of the bigger ones. I'm on there. It just shows the only option it shows is the silver eighth ounce. I mean, it's small, folks. It comes with number twelve treble hooks on it. Yeah, but don't let the small hooks fool you. I'm just saying. I've landed giant fish on small hooks before. Huh. But that's really kind of perfect for a pond guy because yeah. that's something that the fish in pond, farm ponds, especially heavily fish farm ponds, don't see. It's too natural for them. You know, they'll, they'll see a million hula poppers. They'll see tons of buzz baits, and, but that they don't see, and especially when the bluegills are betting. Look out. You know what I mean? You'll catch Screw the pond fishing, Frank. I want it for offshore in the fall when they're keyed on inch and a half long shad. Oh, I know. Can you imagine spinning? You throw it on straight ten pound braid on a seven foot medium action spinning rod on those fish that are are Fantastic. boiling under the surface, and you can see the shad are about half the size of your thumb. It's very right. difficult to get those fish to react to any other bait. Although I think the next one that you're talking about is another good option for that exact same scenario. <laughs> yeah, actually, um, actually, you're right. I mean, this is a bait that I grew up fishing it's probably the first bait that most people ever had and that's the uh rooster tail i mean come on inline spinner can't doesn't get more shaddy than that um <sighs> i think everybody on the planet's fish this bait listen this is no joke Obviously, that kind of came to Providence. It's been an old-school bass technique, and then Ike yeah. puts it in his panic box, and everybody went out and bought Mep's Thousands Panther Martins and Rooster Tails, <laughs> yeah. thinking they were going to crush the bass when they had one with 2 p.m. with 30 minutes left. Right. But I do know, for a fact, that three of all three of the guys I roomed with in the Opens this year threw a Rooster Tail in competition at one point. I will be on year. I will be 100% honest with you. I have done that numerous times in Bassmaster events. Um, one event in particular, I was on Pickwick, and I had them on the shallow flats, and I couldn't catch them on anything, and they were busting all over me. And I pulled out that freaking rooster tail and smoked them. I was like, I don't care, man. You know what I mean? I mean, that's just how this the bait's sneaky. Now, I modified some for bass fishing. Of course, I modify everything. That's my problem. You going, what do you do with it? I take the treble hook off of it, and I put a, a single hook on the back of it. And then I put a uh, grub on the back of it. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it's, it's off the It's hook. a fish catcher. Oh, yeah, it's off the But hook. also fantastic for ponds and streams well the the cool thing about the rooster tail is that um there we when i was a kid i where i used to live when i was a kid there were two golf courses literally at the end of my street so we found a hole in the fence and would sneak on the golf course and bass fish then i and i probably mentioned the golf course when i talked about the um jitterbug um but the but the rooster tail good god <laughs> that that and the maps yeah do you put a uh what is it a snaps a ball snap swivel with a ball bearing ahead of that to prevent line twist especially if you're throwing it on a spinning rod because i mean like the speed clip or something you need something that you prevents have to it have, from spinning right yeah you have to have 
uh, you have to have a, a swivel. Um, when I when I use it when I use it today, okay, as an adult, um, I do put the swivel on there, but I put it about eh, eighteen inches in front of the spinner. Okay, so you have mainline, small, high quality yeah. ball bearing swivel, then a leader line, then your rooster right. tail. Right, because what? I, because then it looks like that rooster tail's chasing something. Oh, fancy! You know what I mean. So um, that's what I do. Plus, it totally eliminates the line twist issue. Okay. Yeah, and then of course, there's no, there's absolutely nothing to do with bank and creek fishing that you you have to have this stuff. Um, this is the Bobby Garland. Um, two-inch swimming minnow and crappie pro sickle-style jigs. The color, this is monkey milk, and to the bass fishermen, it's blue glimmer. This thing catches everything that swims, too, by the way. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much the crappie kit, except there's something else. There's some hidden gems in this. There's some hidden gems in the Bank and Creek bag. And here they are. Well, first, it's going to be a lure net sticker that you won't see because it's... Okay. You won't see it, but it's in there. Yep. Lure net. And then... Put that on the, put that on the minivan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Put that on your bicycle, <laughs> your, your your bicycle. So then, what you're going to get, you're going to get. This is called the bite specs. Okay, you get a bite spec sheet, and what it does. So if you're buying this for a gift, let's say you're going to gift this to a, to a uh, one of the young boys or girls that love fishing. Mm-hmm. So you'll get a bite spec sheet, and in the bite spec sheet, it'll have every bait that's in the kit on it how and when and where to fish it pretty cool so they have their own little mini you know how to their guide. little mini uncle frank right now speaking about right in their back pocket speaking about mini uncle franks what's also included in that is one of my it's a digital print of a hand illustration that i did oh it's got your signature on the bottom and everything yes my signatures on them and everything each each kid will have a different illustration, usually how to. So this one is for stream fishing or river fishing, how to position yourself to cast to the cover, which way the current goes. So they're little instructional diagrams, basically. So what you're saying is you're going to buy this for your little niece or nephew and then <laughs> and pull, the that, pull that out, exactly. give them the baits and be like, I don't know where the illustration It must not have had the illustration right. and it's in the man cave on the wall. Correct. Now, the, correct. Now, the other thing that comes in this kits, and this is kind of fabulous, okay, and, and we, and this is done with, with intent because um, Bank and Creek guys know what they want um bass guys know what they want etc cetera, etc cetera. you're going to get a small card in there that's a discount code on the back there'll be a discount code see your code here um we'll go there you'll get a discount code for up to 65 percent off on your next purchase which is humongous 
Which is pretty much everything other than like the bulk bundles, select kits, right? And There's anything be, else that's already on discount, right? So you're not going to be able to apply discount on top of discount. But um, you could go in and get like some fat-free shads. Oh, hundred percent, one hundred percent. So, so that's that's really cool. Now, the other thing about this this kit thing, um, and and for purchasing for gifts and stuff, there's a limited run. There's only 300 of these, uh, of this bank and Creek kit. 40 bucks, 39.99. Mm-hmm. And then there'll be like another kit that comes out after the yeah. bank and Creek. Yeah. Well, there are, it's going to be a bank and Creek series. Okay. This one's, this one's out there. It's got a little hodgepodge of everything in it. Yep. Um, which we, we had to get, we wanted to get them out before, um christmas and the holidays uh because they're fantastic they're fantastic gift items i mean like I, when i was a kid my parents uh, honestly um couldn't buy me anything fishing related because they had no clue mm-hmm. um and so i you know i was relegated to begging them to go to the store so i could buy my rooster tails or my road no this is all legit that. stuff frank this is all stuff yeah. that catches fish that keeps kids going correct well the thing is we always talk about growing the sport right yeah the only way you grow the sport is to get people interested in the sport and when the right people become interested in the sport you get to go they do good things for that sport you know what i mean and that's how it evolves um but you know let's be honest i mean fishing didn't evolve from from people not interested in it so you could go on LureNet, you could see everything that's in the kit, um, you know, more up close and personal than me holding it in front of a computer screen. Um, and then, of course, there's new colors on the um, paint shop also. Oh, um, I, I, yeah, I think, I, I think a color's busting today, if I'm not mistaken. Um, let's see. Is there a new one on there today? Not yet. It's still Not a yet. crackle still fire tiger crackle flat fire tiger. I'm surprised that's still in that's still in stock. We probably don't have a whole lot of them left. Let me see. It says it's in stock. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so you know, check it out. Um I thought I think the Bank and Creek kits are really cool. There'll be some specific kits coming Is up. Each kit kit I feel like you could sell just some illustrations, just some straight up illustrations. But it, like I said, if I was going to do it, I would pull the illustration out, frame it, put it on the wall, especially if you're a fan of Dave. Well, I, I'm 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 toying with something with illustrations right now. How's that for a teaser? <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I am actually toying with something right now. Um, but that's for another time. All right. Um, let's kind of continue along this theme, then, Uncle Frank. Let's and uh, like I said you've you've actually gotten paid to fish from the bank a bunch. People pay you to take them to fish from the bank, right? With the steelhead stuff. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Um, if you are, let's say you have this kit, your boat guy. I feel like a lot of the guys who watch day four are boat guys, either front of the yeah. boat, back of the boat, or kayak, kayakers, small boat, yeah. tin boat. Um. But what are some of the things, uh, just in general, if you know you're going to, to be fishing from the bank, uh, 
of either let, let's do both a, a small pond like a farm pond uh, a stream and then like a big lake like let's say you're vacationing at lake norman but you want to try to catch some some bass just what are some tips some tips and tactics that you would have to put people in the right let's start with the pond okay so like first a, th- like a standard pond okay first things first um if i'm not familiar with it i'll google earth it because here's what you're going to see especially ponds Small streams and rivers, too, but a lot of times the foliage encapsulates the top view so you don't get a clean view of the river. But um, ponds especially. So you Google Earth the pond, and what this does is this lets you see where all the weed growth is on the pond. So, like, if I if I Google Earth a pond and I see dark spots, um, a cast or two away from the bank. I know there's something underwater there. Or if I see a grass line, you know how most of the grass lines will go around the perimeter of a pond. And then you might have one long one that sticks out. Then you know there's a high spot there and the grass is growing out on it. So you can see real high percentage areas right off the rip. Um, you can also see, like, there's some ponds that are sizable, Um you know, there's some ponds that are sizable and you can't get around. Like here, look, that's a perfect example. This is a random pond that I just found on Bing Maps from Norman, Oklahoma. But like we were, I wasn't really, we hadn't really discussed this, but I was like, heck, I'll pull it up based on what pull you said. Pull it up. So, so you yeah. know you're going to fish this pond. Jim right. from work says, hey, I got a pond you can fish. And you say, okay. You figure out where it is and this is what you need to do. You know, you're, you're taking your kid or something out there, Jim's kid to fish. Right, so right above your arrow, actually, in the corner, not not that corner, the uh, where the two white spots are on your left, up, right there, just right there. See those, that corner, no, go to the open water next to the grass bed. Yeah, that corner there is a high percentage corner because you can parallel the bank in one direction and you can parallel that finger that sticks out in the other direction. So you've got, you've got an opportunity for some really good casts. And then if you have a surface plug on, you've got that flat grass flat that you could cast to. It's also tells you where it's going to be tricky to get access to the water, even though this lake looks pretty good. Um, but you could see where it would be kind of tricky to get access to the water in the upper left corner of the lake. It's a flat flat area Mm -hmm. but But you also can see look there's a trail there that you wouldn't know but if you go on this trail you know you can get back in here correct um so you can see all the places you could fish real easily obviously the dam is the most obvious easiest place um you could parallel the crap out of that there's also blowdowns in the water you can see i mean it's that's what google earth can do to you gives you a gives you a land layout it gives you a lake layout. There's a small pond to the right of that too, down by the dam. No, other no other way. I mean <laughs> that, one, that one's easy to figure out. Yeah, right across this. There you go. Right across the street. Let's look at that. That's actually two ponds in one. There's mm-hmm. one above it. So you could see that that's probably a more of a flooded uh, river system, old river system in itself. And you can almost see some of the bars that come out off that bank on that one. Yeah. But it yeah. just gives you an idea. Instead of right. rolling up and not knowing what the heck is around, 
Right, because let's say you let's say you say, oh, I, you know, I only have a short amount of time. I'm not going to have time to walk around this whole thing. You can go pick out an area that has the most of everything you want in it and go fish it. Awesome. Uh, okay, let's go streams. Streams current places. Okay, so- so, so what I like to do, okay, so there's a thing when you're river fishing, I call them rivers, but streams, creeks, small weightable rivers, okay, let's say weightable, non, non-navigable by actual boat and motor. Okay, kayaks can access them, but boat and motors can't. So when you hear people talk about a current seam, okay, a current seam is going to be where you see you've got slow water and then you've got fast water moving. You could generally see a current seam by small floating debris. It'll be right on the edge of the current seam. Wow. So trout, steelhead, fish like that use the current seam as a form of structure and a feeding element. So when I would guide for steelhead, you know, I would be, you know, cast up to current seam on river left. And then they would cast up there and let the let their fly swing through, swing down that current seam. So they're right on the edge of the faster water and the slower water. The other thing you look for, obviously, is um, boulders and anything in the water that blocks current. Blocks current. Ambush places for predators is in the behind boulders. Now, trout can get a current break in front of a boulder because there is a small current break in front of a boulder as well. But that's, we're getting too detailed. So anything that breaks current, blowdowns, rocks, um, jetties, anything that will block the current or change the current direction is, is a high percentage place. An eddy in the current in a stream is easy to see because you'll see the water swirling around. Like if there's a point that comes out, the eddy will be on the backside swirling around probably the opposite direction of the current. And then you and you know that that's a good holding area, good ambush place. Um, and that's pretty much how to break down uh, streams. Now, I, I when I'm wading a stream, I like to walk downstream. I don't like to walk up into the current. Oh, really? Yeah, because I'll be throwing lures and I swing them in the current. I use the current to my advantage to make a natural presentation. Okay, because I've always been taught you always want to be cast up current and bring it down. Well, you're you're quarter casting. So your bait's swinging swinging downstream. It's swinging downstream. You're not just casting it downstream and burning it back upstream. You're casting it at 45 and then letting it drift through the strike zone. Right. It's the swing that's the important part in that in stream fishing. It's the swing. Now, when I'm smallmouth fishing in these rivers, these weightable rivers, um, I'll even pitch and pitch and flip blowdowns. Some of the blowdowns are so big you can stand on them. I'll get up on top of them, stand on them, and I'll vertically pitch in all the branches, you know, flipping all the branches. Mm-hmm. And I catch a lot of big stream smallmouth doing that. But, I mean, for that, you pretty much just need a handful of road runners, a couple rooster tails, and, like, maybe that track-down minnow in your set, right? Yeah, and, and the square A. Okay. The square A is one of my best stream fishing baits because I can cover water. I can mm-hmm. fly down the river and cover water. Uh, lakes. 
big lakes, like lakes that they have bass tournaments on. You're stuck yeah. on the you're stuck on the bank. Where this do you is, So here's where I here's what I do. I I look where roads cross the backs of pockets. And then I'll treat the pocket, the back section of the pocket as a separate pond. Google Earth it, go to the back section, see where I can access and use that as a separate pond or I'll if it's summertime I'll use Google Earth to find grass that I can access from the bank so I'm not trespassing on people's property. And then I'll run the grass because because you can't truly structure fish from the bank um, on a on a huge lake. You have to have something that's going to hold those bass year-round. Usually it's boat docks, blowdowns, grass, or riprap. Riprap's always a good bet. Because you could literally go to any any huge impoundment that has riprap, the, where where the creeks cross, they put the bridges up there. I mean, Kentucky Lake, every creek in Kentucky Lake has a bridge across the back of it. Basically, sorry, here I was trying to pull this yeah. in. All right, so this is a lot of tournaments out here, Keystone Lake, and Perfect. I'm doing exactly what you're thinking. So, like here, look, the bridge goes across right here, right. There's the road. Boy, it's really down in this picture. That looks like a culvert right there. That looks like a mirror image. Yeah, this is this is interesting. And then there's like another pond and then another pond back there. Right. It's, so it's that behind. Would be... But like bank fishing from a big lake, like 90% of the time, you cannot get a boat through there when you can. It's Oh, no, you can't. So here, check it out. Look at that little stream that flows in that little pond section. The little, no, up where you were in between the two roads. Yep. That little stream bed there. That that's a money corner. So it's, it's just below it. It really is, Uncle Frank. You don't know how true you are. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, man. No, it's fine. It's it's a, uh, I stick with release fish on Keystone now. So it's a, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the beauty whoa. part about it. And what are we on the moon now? No, I don't know why it did that. But uh, I just picked Kiso because there's a bunch of good rip-rap in areas that you can. Right. Marinas, too, dude. Floating docks in those marinas, if you can get permission to fish off of them. It's just crazy good. But you see what I mean? I mean, Google Earth's your best friend when okay. you're doing when you're doing. What fishing. part of the lake do you, if you're going to fish, let's just say fall i mean what part do i just want to go to the main lake or do i want to try to find like that backwater stuff or do if, i want to if, just stick around bridges and well, troll it up yeah if it's fall i'm going creeks all the way um just because i have a better opportunity to come in contact with a fish fishing the main lake part i would always pick an area that has a couple of short pockets on it um, if I'm going to fish the main lake area from the bank, because you need options, you need a point, you need deep access point option, and you need the back of a creek option. Um, just putting more fish in contact, like that's perfect right there. Um, now that to me, um, just that area that you just zoomed in on yeah. is is money. There's I can never fish this roadbed because there's always bank anglers on it. Yeah, because Look you have it's it's money. I mean, you just have a lot of access right there of actual fishable water. 
And so that's kind of what you're looking for. Now, obviously, you can Google Earth and go, well, crap, that's just a mud flat. I'm not going there. You know what I mean? So that gives you the ability to see uh, what you're getting before you get there. Because the worst thing you want to do, most of the time, if you're fishing from the bank, time is an issue. Last thing you want to do is waste a ton of time. So this will cut your time waste. Way and out. then you all, are you going with moving baits more often or are you still sticking with like, what are your, what are you going to be your basic bait? I would assume a crankbait, a plug, something that moves, something that doesn't snag up a ton. Right. I mean, most of the time, um, unless I know there's an object out there that's a castaway, most of the time I'm almost paralleling or 60 degree in a bank. Because I want that that transition. Um, that's how. That's where most of your fish are going to be moving from, and you have to encounter them. So you're going to be walking and fishing and walking and fishing. Now, with that roadbed picture that you pulled up, um, I would not hesitate um, to throw some, you know, something with a slip sinker on it or a jig. Um, I wouldn't hesitate that, and not one bit. Jerk baits are always good bets from the bank. Yeah. I will say that roadbed sees a lot of liver. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> a lot I'm of chicken liver. A lot of chicken liver down there. Yeah, I'm sure of it. A lot of night crawlers. <laughs> and the yo-bob. Remember yeah. that thing? <laughs> yeah. Is that the one that was the self-setting bobber? Yeah, and then it would just bounce around, and you'd go chase them down and pick them yep. up and hand line them in. I think that was another Jimmy Houston thing. It was Jimmy Houston. That's <laughs> on. Hundred percent. Are we date? Are we dating ourselves? Absolutely. Jimmy Houston is timeless, Frank. He is timeless. I can't even make fun of him. He still has hair. Uh, do you know how long the each kit's going to be out? Like once the banking, like once this one's done, and then the other one comes yeah. in. There's they're limited runs, three hundred. Um. So once the once the three hundred's gone, um, then probably another kit comes into play. Clay with a good point. You'd be amazed on how dialed you can get on one bridge piling when it's all you have to fish. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But you know, the cool thing about the bridge pilings are is that the current will change when the wind direction changes. So one day you you know, one time you might be catching them on one side of the pilings, and then another time you might be catching them on the other side of the pilings. I'm fairly sure Clay just caught his new PB recently. Clay, confirm if that's correct. I thought during one of the last shows I was talking, but Clay was talking about how he caught, like, I want to say an 11 or something like that, and then he changed his profile picture. That's a stout. That could be a total total fabricated story, but as far as I know, that's... Hey, whatever, man. We're not opposed to spreading rumors. (laughs) (sighs) So how how much more fishable time do you have up there before it... Yep, look at that. He did eleven seven. Nice job, dude. That's a tank, man. Yeah. How much more time do you have before everything kind of socks in and it you can't open We're more looking fish anymore? Probably. Well, last year, kind of. Last year, the last two days I fished were New Year's and New Year's Eve. New Year's Day and New Year's Eve. Oh, um, that's last late. year. And then the couple years earlier, I fished all the way through most of February before we got locked in. Wow. Yeah. So you were only locked in for like four months. Three and no, a half. Three and a half months. Yeah, three, three and a half. I had something interesting happen yesterday, Uncle Frank. Fire. 
Fire away. Uh, I'd like to get your take on this. So, obviously, with forward-facing technology, you can see a lot of crazy stuff that happens. I'm, uh, well, tomorrow, it's a, it's a long story. I'm not even going to get it. <laughs> I'm supposed to shoot a crappie show, like host an entire show, right? Yeah, Perfect. no problem. It's Perfect. my it's my jam. I do this. I get the 12, 14-foot rods out. It's my zen, my quiet place, my peaceful, my happy place. Yeah, I can, heck I like I can go it. catch 10 crappie. Well, I want to shoot it on Eufaula. You follow it because it's a great crappie lake, right? Public. Right. I want to show people how it's done. And I like tomorrow's the only time I have to, to shoot it. Well, it's supposed to blow like 20 out of the south and lightning and thunder all day tomorrow. It's a whole different story. <laughs> so I'm like, man, I need to find these piles out of the out of the wind, right? I go to an area and it's not. I mean, I could see them down there, but I mean, it's like Mario Andretti. The boat's flying past him. You can't stop. And then their move, it's frustrating. Uh, so go to some piles and catch a couple, but they're real. They're not chasing it at all. Mm-hmm. And just big blobs just rolling through the piles everywhere. And every once in a while outside, you see shad flick, five, six inch shad, whoosh, bass come up. I mean, these things are swimming around and in the piles like wolves on the hunt, like lions stalking gazelles. And I tell my buddy Juice, I'm like, dude, this is like National Geographic stuff. And you don't ever see it. Like, you know, you ever had those days where you roll up and it's like every pile, every key spot, it's just boom, boom, boom. Pre-front, 24 hours before, water temp, 62 degrees, big shad all around this stuff. And I have never seen, I mean, the bass were were obviously predatory, aggressive, and hunting. That's when you go bass fishing and put the crappie stuff down. <laughs> not, an, not an option. I not an option for me. Well, I mean, you're going to go through, I mean, look, first of all, no, no, no fish that can be eaten by another fish is just going to blatantly swim out in the open and go, oh, he do 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 I mean, you would see you know? them go swimming this is all in forward face i only have it set at like 40 feet right so i mean they look like big giant monsters they look like cucumbers and the crappie look like oreos gotcha. these cute just whoa and they go in and then they come out the other side you'd see them dart and spin back around you'd see two or three of them just cruise over the top of the brush pile i mean i caught like three or four of them on a crappie jig a couple good ones too like yeah, two and dude. three quarter pounders like i feel like that would have been if i had backed off Jerk bait, top water, spinner bait, any of that stuff, they probably would have plowed it. Oh, absolutely. If they're moving that much, they're active and they're active as could be. Um, when they're not moving around, they're in a neutral feeding mode. That then you gotta slow down and you get over top of them. But dude, you you'd have thrown a jerk bait over them, you'd have crashed their brains out. Is that or, probably or what you would have said? Sixty one degree water down over the brushes in eight to 15 foot of water coming yeah, up to five, six foot. Of, so is that what you would have reached for if you were like, Hey, these are actively aggressive bass yeah. hunting down shad. You're going with a, with a rogue. Yeah. I've, I've got, I've got the jerk bait on, I've got a spinner bait on and I've got a crank bait on um, because I'm not slowing down if the fish aren't slowing down. Um, and you could really get some good, good bites doing that, especially now the jerk baits exciting with that water temp because you don't have to slow it way down. 
you can still work it fast. You know what I mean? You don't have to slow it down. So you have the ability to cover water. In the winter months, you have to slow way down. And so you're not covering tons of water. But the cool thing about wintertime is when you locate them, you locate a lot of them because as the water temperatures get colder, the bass don't occupy the same water column anymore. They start to shrink. So you're looking at 9% of the lake, basically, is going to hold fish. More questions that you have no control over. Uncle Frank, are red ear (laughs) colored DD-22s coming back ever? I didn't even know they made a red ear. I Travis, I can't answer that, but you know what? Um, go go on the Norman um, Facebook page and say that's what you want. Because here's here's what here's what here's what we're doing. Um, I'm I want to bring back some retro colors in Norman, some of the oldies but moldies. I want to bring back some of the good ones. Um, go to the Facebook page, Norman Facebook page, and and say what color you want um and then at the end of the month or in two months we're going to go by and we get the whole list down and start doing you know keeping score we got you know 30 guys wanted this color only two guys wanted this color and then we're going to narrow it down because i want to bring back some old colors because i have some too um that i'd like to see come back and and then we're going to take the most popular ones and start bringing them back. Lure net exclusives. Um, they'll only be sold on lure net. So go on that, go on the, the Facebook page, the Norman Facebook page, and let us know uh, what you guys want to see. Let us know. And cause I, I, I don't have the ability, but I have the ability to get some of this stuff done. Okay. Um, you need to go sure. on your Instagram and have Frankie Jr. put up a poll question and have like three or four of the different uh, colors up there. And then you can go on your Instagram and vote. The fans and listeners can vote. That's a good idea, but I am uh, a technological. Imbecile. That's why I said Frank Jr. <laughs> have Frankie I'm, do it. I'm, my phone, my phone, you, you all know my phone lied to me. This was supposed to be 4G and then I brought it in and they said it's only 3G and mm-hmm. now it's, it's screwing up on me all the time and i had to put pictures into uh well i don't know where they go but it's somewhere other than my phone and now they're all out of order and it's making me crazy anyway frank said he quit helping you on social media (laughs) yeah you weren't paying him enough he quit no he can't deal with my impatience um because i just want things done and then and and then he gets the phone and he knows what he's doing so he's He's and he goes, see, it's so simple. You could just do this. And then he goes here. And then I, and I have no idea how to do it. And so there, there you go. I mean, you know, he's way better at it than I am. All right. I volunteered you. We're at an hour and three minutes here. I volunteered you for a couple uh, random questions. Uh, if you were late today, really cool episode, uh, bank and Creek lures from uh, the bait school bait kits uh go back and see and here's what i would do i would uh buy it for a young angler in your life and then i would rip out the 65 percent <laughs> off code keep it for yourself they don't know what what they don't know doesn't hurt them right. i would also take out the frank scalish uh pond and creek or bank and creek illustration that comes with it frame it put it up in your man cave what they like i said what they don't know can't hurt them they still get the uh the right. pocket lure thing and then literally like a 
legit pond and creek baits. This is not like one of those like get rid of stuff that isn't selling deals. This is like this is good stuff. Yeah, this is forty bucks. You don't have to spend any more time. It's good. Give it to them. You get sixty five percent off. So when uh, when the other new stuff drops and stuff, and up to sixty five percent off, and the illustration, super easy. You're done. Done for the year. Piece of cake. Perfect gifts. These are these are insane gift items. Uh, but yeah. So then we went through kind of uh, uh, the different scenarios of when you are tethered to the bank, how Correct. you can still catch a few fish. So all right, we're gonna go through a couple uh, questions. You good for that? Yeah. Let's roll. All right, I had one. I had a really good question up here. There it is. Joe, uh, silver, or I'm assuming he's saying several lakes around me have been sprayed to where there's not even dead weeds. How do you address that? Lakes that are used to having vegetation that have now been man-made void of vegetation. Yeah, I. that's my biggest pet peeve of life right there. Because <laughs> dying- all the things in life. Kill well, that's all, not, all yeah, exactly. So is what really like, grinds your gears, Uncle Frank. Right. That's I, no, I have a lot, but we can't. We don't have time to get into that. But here's what here's the problem: when they when they legitimately they spray it or they throw pellets in the water, it kills the grass. Dying grass uses oxygen. It's it takes the oxygen out of the water. Um, no bass wants to be by dead, decayed vegetation. Um, so that's a problem, but the, but you can overcome that problem by, if you're familiar with the lake and you know, areas where the grass does not particularly grow. Okay. You can concentrate on hard bottom areas and more structure elements. The other thing to do is get past the weed line and look for structure that would have like rock piles, like up North. A big thing is you find the rock piles on the outside edge of the grass. Um, those become bass magnets at that point. When the grass starts to die, they back down and back out. Now, in some cases, if you got decent depth and you got blowdowns and stuff in the water, then they go back to using shoreline cover, hard cover. So th- those are the kind of things you want to look at. As fast and simply as I can state it. Tyler, Frank, uh, if you're in a kayak floating down a small river, how would you attack the angle in which you throw your lure? Okay, so being being in the kayak, you have the ability to back it up to the bank. Um, so you can you can actually and we do this with float boats all the time for steelhead fishing. Um, you could go down the current, you see an area that you got stuff you're gonna fish, you can back the kayak up and get it put it on the bank or drop one of your small pole anchors down to stop you. Uh, so you can position your cast for the most optimum um you know, presentation. Kyle would uh, like to know, oh, we always get the clear coat. What clear coat yeah. do you use on your baits? Okay, I'm I'm using KBS Diamond Clear, and I'm dipping the baits, and then I, and then I use a little drip pin, and I hang them up and let them let it drip off. Um, the the whole key with the Diamond Clear is you have to let it cure. Um, I've tried to use baits two days after I dipped them and the clear coat still soft and my hook scratch it off. Um, I found that the longer you leave it out hanging, the harder the clear coat becomes. 
um, to expedite the process. I'll hang them for two days, let them get hard enough where I'm not leaving fingerprints on them and then i'll hang them outside if it's a nice sunny day i'll hang them outside and they and they get rock solid poll questions back on instagram because frank scalish jr has just agreed to help frank put up poll questions on his instagram account (laughs) yeah because that's guilt that's the that's that catholic guilt coming out uh david maddox would like to know any chance that norman big n makes a comeback um again get that on the norman facebook page because i want input nate wilson uncle frank is there a water temp where you think it starts getting tougher to catch smallies in the fall water temp was 47 i could barely get a bite um i i've no, I've caught fish in 38, 39 degree water temperature. The, the the problem is is that they start to get really confined. And so you are either on them or not. There's no in-betweens. It's not like you're going to catch one by accident. They're not roaming all over the place. There's they're really getting confined. Just keep looking. Now, in those water temperatures, sometimes your blade baits are the money bait. You know what I mean? They'll be on those transitional breaks. You blade bait them. Once you locate them, you're going to locate a lot of them, though. I will tell you that. Yeah, that's that's good thing. Wally Roberts, what does Uncle Frank think about the head and chugger spook? I think we've done a couple shows on this. I've always liked it better than the pop are. The original bullfrog pattern was a killer. Yeah, you know, the chugger spook's nice because it spits. Um which is nice throw it makes a com- different different commotion it's a different kind of you know where a regular spook is more like especially you guys see the the shad they cruise around on the surface and they'll make little wakes around um subtle you can make a regular spook spit by m- making it walk harder and faster but but the the chugging spook does a real nice job real easily Clay, what line are you using for square bills around rock? Okay, now my square bill lines fluctuate between uh, 12, 14, and 17 um, because it, depending on how deep I want them to get. The deeper I want them to get, the lighter line I use, but you got to be careful with square bills because to me, that's four wheel drive efficient. Mm-hmm. You plow it into stuff, you rip it through stuff, It's you're aggressive with it. So you have to address your line size by the cover you're fishing and how deep you want the bait to go. Um, so you got to do that. Uh, I, I'm my 17. I just switched over to sunline recently because I, I ran out of my stash of silver thread fluorocarbon. Um, so I've been using uh, sunline for that. I always use fluorocarbon on the square bills um, just because I like the fact that fluoro sinks it slows the rise of the bait down a bit. It's so like sixteen sniper. Yeah, because I was using um, which what's the what's the one they just stopped making? Um, super FC fluoro? Uh, FC super fluorocarbon. Yeah, I think in the blue box. Yeah, the blue box. That's You've what not I had. W- good line with. <laughs> You've not had good luck. All your lines get discontinued. <laughs> yeah, I know. Every time, dude, I'm afraid to say what line I'm using because it'll be gone tomorrow. Listen. Um, have you yeah. tr- you still haven't tried the FC crank, right? No. 
like Clay, so based on what Uncle Frank is saying, because I would have, have ventured to say you're not familiar with the 19 different types of sunline. No, that they have. I, I'm not. I, I can't. I, you know, I'm but, trying to experiment with them. But, yeah. You know. All right. If you're ticking the rocks and it's not just like crazy grinding it into it, but you still want some backbone, it's got a smaller diameter, it's got a coating, it casts like crazy. I would go with the FC crank in 16. Uh, cast crazy fishes like 12 or 14. If you're really grinding it two, three foot deep and there's a lot of abrasion and stuff, I would go with the uh, either uh, 16 or 18 FC Sniper. The difference between Sniper and Shooter is Shooter is more designed for the quick shock absorption of a hook set, a flipping and pitching hook set, something where you're dragging a bait and then applying it. The Sniper is more suited uh, for winding baits. Uh, a chatterbait, a plug, something like that, where there's a little bit more uh, give into it, and it responds better as it slowly loads. So there's okay. your there's your two right there. There you go. Thanks That's just that. based upon the way you fish and the way you like to do your lines. Right. And, but those and are like, the two options that I would suggest for sunline. Right. Like I said, you know, I mean, I I'm experimenting with it right now, and and so it's fairly expensive to just keep making mistakes with my setups. So it's a slow process and there you have it. Let me see what else I can find here. I kind of messed up this morning and I fell asleep on the couch and then I put my contacts in this morning. Backwards. Like, (laughs) no, I put double contacts in again. It's like the second time I've done it this year. So then I was really creeped out. So you can because see I was really walking good. around. No, I couldn't see at all. And I was like, what is wrong with me? And then I took them out and realized I could still see. And then I like, you know, touched the eye and moved it around and was like, oh, I never took them out last night. Oh, perfect. I could never get, I couldn't wear contacts. I couldn't even get them in my eye. And once I got them in my eye, they irritated me. So I said, oh, that's out. Rod and reel set up for waiting smallmouth. Okay, um, at this point in time, I mean, this is a trick question because I want to tell you you're going to have to have a spinning rod and and or a bait caster for that, depending on what you're how you're fishing, waiting for them. Um, the spinning rod will probably give you more options uh, waiting for them. But I, there's times when I go to the river by my house when I'm waiting and I just grab a 725 bait caster with 12-pound fluoro and I just throw square bills and, you know, eighth-ounce buzz baits on it. And 725, is that a 7.72 inch? Yeah, 7.25 um, power. And, and, I, and, it, and it's, a, it's a cranking rod. Um, but it's a, it's a good cranking rod. It loads the tip soft, but it loads into the backbone right away. Um, and that's pretty much what I run with. Now, sometimes I'll grab the spinning rod if I'm going to do a lot of wacky rigging and, you know, drifting small baits in the current, I'll use my spinning rod. Um, so I'm going to say you're probably going to need both. I don't think you need a crazy long fishing rod for that particular thing i think anything in the length of seven foot is going to be okay for you um medium medium heavy is going to be okay either either spinning or bait caster medium 
you know, or medium heavy is going to be okay. Um, if I'm using a spinning rod, load the load the main with braid, and then attach a floral leader to it. Um, that'll give you that'll give you the flexibility if you want to throw a more aggressive bait. You'll eliminate some of your line stretch, and you'll be able to get the fish without really having to crack them. All right, we'll end on this one. This is an easy easy to answer question uh, so. i'm sure you'll be able to succinctly wrap this up in 30 seconds and then we'll go on with our lives for next week darren hill would like to know how do you catch fish when no one else can <laughs> <laughs> that we can knock that question out in one second it's easy for me dude i'm a genius <laughs> Uh, computer backup. We got Jeffrey's head banging music. Take us back to 2021. Retro. Retro. Don't forget, limited 300 Bait School Bank and Creek kits. Comes with an Uncle Frank illustration. Yes. Comes with a uh, discount code to get all your stuff. Comes with a supply of fantastic small bank and creek lures these will be on the lookout <laughs> what how do you catch fish when no one else can that's a legit question how that's many i mean if that's the million dollar question well you know what let's go and let's, the guys who somewhat figure that out are the, that guy, the guys who have their own show with 91 episodes of it or they're <laughs> You know, I mean, that's a, to just say it. That's a question that everyone has asked. We should talk, we should do a show on that. Now this has can. been <laughs> another edition of Day Four with the man Frank Scalish. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>